0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Cousin Shotgun looking to the left, steps up in the pocket, he'll fade to the end zone for KJ!
0: that was last year one of the rare minnesota vikings wins overtime in charlotte is called by our good friend paul allen voice of the vikings going on two decades now right when did you start this uh this will be my 21st year it's coming up this
1: year and we had more than a few wins here by the way um i can't remember how many it feels like seven we had seven
0: (laughs) seven yeah uh not enough to keep everyone employed that's for sure but uh, anyway it's a new beginning for the minnesota vikings it's a new hour for pft live and even though i am flying solo today we have multiple guests and joining me now our good friend paul allen the voice of the vikings and the host of nine to noon central time not eastern time on kfa and paul i really do appreciate you getting up a little early to to, uh, uh, well, to hang out my, with my us radio, although
2: my
1: radio I, show on kfa ends in two hours so, so i'm good man it's rainy and windy well we outside, did but well, we'll be okay
0: we did this one other time when you were in your car it was a lot more entertaining when you were in your car
1: <laughs> that's right yeah i had to drop the flight attendant off at the airport i couldn't get the zoom to go i didn't have anybody on the other side saying please come back and i was discombobulated and uh but we got it done didn't we where's your dog um nice of chris sims to show today by the way Uh, the, uh, The dog, I don't know where the dog is. The cat is looming. Luna is looming. So if she jumps up here, I think that'd be pretty cool.
0: First of all, you have exposed the fact that you never watch or listen to this show at a minimum on Friday, if not ever, because Sims never works on Fridays. He's never here on Fridays, except for next Friday. Friday of Super Bowl week, the Friday after the start of the regular season, and next Friday, the day after the first round of the draft. Those are the only three Fridays he works all year long.
1: Well, you are making a mistake. I watch this show every
0: single day. In fact, it's my favorite show ever. Who's the usual Friday co-host then? Peter King. Have you read any of Playmakers yet?
1: Um, Yeah, I read the section about Ontario Smith and the Wizinator, and I didn't
0: like it. (laughs) 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 The only reason you know that there's a chapter that – goes down that specific path of memory lane, which is intended to speak to the broader truth of why does the NFL care about whether guys smoke marijuana when they're on their own private time? The only reason you know about that is we've talked about it on your radio show a time or two over the course of the last six months. I guarantee you haven't read any of the book and you never will, even though I sent you one of the rare collector's item advanced copies.
1: What you're saying is that given I have the hippie gene, I saw the word marijuana in a book and immediately went to that chapter thinking it was penned by Hunter S. Thompson. That's inaccurate.
0: So let's talk about the Vikings for a little bit. We are in the early stages of the offseason program. There was media availability in recent days from various guys with the team. I think last week we heard from some of them, Kevin O'Connell recently. What's the plan to get more out of the guy that they have paid so much money at the quarterback position since 2018. What do you think O'Connell's going to do to get more out of Kirk Cousins?
1: You know, it, um, it, it, it ties into the draft because the um, the team used and allocated so many assets for defense in the off season that you know we're sitting there at 12 with complete unpredictability which i think is an advantage for the minnesota vikings in that you have a first-time head coach a first-time general manager and really nobody has any idea which way they're going to go at 12. if you don't change your mind you'll immediately think 12 cornerback because we're a little stuck right there at least roster from a roster standpoint but it's unpredictable and and when it comes to helping kirk and when it comes to helping the offense You know, they um, they brought in a couple of uh, free agent guards, specifically this uh, this cat who played at Mankato uh, several years ago. He was with the Jags and the Indianapolis Colts named Chris Reed. I've always liked him. Um, I remember when the Jags were at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center, and um, I believe it was George Payton, who now is the GM for the Denver Broncos. Uh, they they were so immersed in Reed during these joint practices. I swear, man, I thought we were going to try to trade for him before the season. Um, now I don't know if he is now what he was then. But the the right guard spot here has been, you know, kind of the the land of misfits over the last X amount of years. So I think that's going to help Kirk. Um, I believe Kirk has been empowered uh, when it comes to the the galvanizing of the head coach who worked with him in Washington in 2019 and excuse me, in um, in 2017 and um, and giving him more responsibility at the line of scrimmage. Now, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, and I've I've chatted with Kirk about this before, specifically last year, because when it was uh, Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski, erstwhile Negan, or uh, Clint Kubiak, you know, it it would basically be you get to the line, you got to play, and you got tentacles off of that play. So the flexibility was kind of a lack thereof. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case this year, and I'm not... You know, I'm not predicting that Kirk's going to get up there and go like Peyton Manning, A-Rod, Brett Favre on it and just call the whole thing. But we'll see how that works out for Kirk overall, having what I believe is going to be more flexibility at the line.
0: Let's supplement what you just said with a little clip from Kevin O'Connell earlier this week, and then we will react to what he had to say on the other side. Here's O'Connell talking about Cousins taking charge of the offense. You know, obviously in a new system, uh, somebody's got to take charge out there. And and for us, that's Kirk. And and obviously he's sitting front and center in every meeting. He's asking questions uh, both in the quarterback room and front of the unit. He was one of the guys that I mentioned in the team meeting yesterday, um, speaking up and and, and kind of really getting involved. Uh, And and from everything I'm hearing about what's going on on the grass with Josh and Tyler's group out there, uh, he's been great leading the charge. Uh, They're throwing routes. They're doing different things that we're teaching in the classroom. And, uh, you know, I think the the phase one is really kind of set up for somebody like Kirk to kind of take the reins and run with it. And then the best thing is we get to start being out there with him next week. How different is it to have a head coach who talks about Kirk like that in comparison to the way Mike Zimmer used to talk about Kirk?
1: Well, I mean, it, with Mike, it, it it was kind of age old, you know, and, and, and Mike, you know, Mike is and or was a throwback to like Bill Parcells and and stuff like that. So, I mean, getting effusive praise out of Mike really about anybody, I mean, that was really hard to do. And I, and I did a radio show with him uh, weekly during the season for eight years. Um, But, it's different. It's, it's, it's new age in that when I say new age, the importance of, and this is good. Okay. I'm not, you know, making it sound all touchy feely or anything that this generally speaking is good. Uh, just having a, just, just really concern or care for the totality of the human being and, 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 and just talking about life and doing things like that. And, and Kevin and the staff are really good at that. And, you know, maybe the previous uh, previous head coach wasn't great at that. But, uh, Mike, don't forget back in 2017 with Zim, you know, we uh, we go to Washington and beat Cousins, and, um, and we're kind of killing them. And then Case throws back-to-back interceptions. And at least one of them went for a pick six. They both might have gone to the end zone. So now all of a sudden Washington's in the game. We eventually win the game. And, I mean, Keenum has been our quarterback now half the season after Bradford got hurt, you know, and Teddy's on the mend and Bradford's on the mend. And uh, Mike had a Monday press conference. We're playing St. Louis the next week. And that's McVay's St. Louis Rams. Keenum's former team as of 2016. And Mike would not commit to Case playing quarterback in that game. And man, it just bugged a lot of people. So, you know, I think that kind of daggers what you're saying about the difference between the two. Uh, with Quasey with and Kevin, uh, they, they just, there, there's a collaboration between those two. It's a collaboration of kindness. Uh, where they're just opening their eyes and their minds to a lot of different things about these players and their lives. And this era and this generation and pandemic or post pandemic, however you want to look at it. And, and that's great. And, and it's, it's, it's galvanizing, but we haven't played any games. So, let, you know, when we start playing these games and, and it gets a little hot, you know, that, that's what I'm excited to see what happens and how people react.
0: Cousins had the Vikings over the contractual barrel earlier this year. He was signed for one more season, cap number of $45 million, salary fully guaranteed of thirty-five. He eventually did a one-year extension, which created some flexibility, but it doesn't answer any long-term questions. Then he says he wants to retire a Viking. I don't know that I buy it because his contract doesn't scream out retire as a Viking. How do you see this playing out between Cousins and the team coming up this year and next year and maybe beyond?
1: Well, it's, it's a fascinating topic, you know, and, and on the radio show, despite me, you absolutely painting me as a cross between Harry Carey and Bob Euchre as a homer. um, I will go down the road of, I I am a fan of the Minnesota Vikings drafting a quarterback higher than people think knowing he's not going to play. And, and if Kirk doesn't dig it, Kirk doesn't dig it, but Kirk has the sledgehammer right now. And and that's okay because Kirk's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL if you really want to break it down. And and having somebody like Kirk is somebody with whom you can win a lot of games. But there just has been no flexibility behind him. Mannion comes in in that Packers game last year and it was a disaster with all due respect to Sean because he doesn't get any reps. Then you get, you know, everybody's negative on Kellen Mond from the previous regime. I just, you know, I, I heard so many times he can't play, can't play, can't play. And so much so that it offended me. But I'm not going to argue with him because these coaches know a thousand times more about it than I'll ever know. But it's tough for me to believe you can look at Kellen Mond and say, hey, he's out there running the scout team, never throwing to JJ, never handing off to Dalvin. And he's not even running the plays and he can't play. You know, meanwhile, when we're on the road, he's on my bus when we go to the stadium and we had a signed seat. So he would sit like right in front of me. And he'd be into his tablet just memorizing and writing and taking tests and so the kids trying hard. So, you know, when when Kwasi was hired, Kwasi Adolfo Mensah, the GM, uh, one of the first things I said nine to noon was the A topic for me is figuring out if Kellen Mond can play. Uh, Because, you know, there are members of the previous regime who didn't think he could play And um, But you don't do at Texas A&M what he did if you just have no skills. So I'm curious to see how that works in the offseason. But Kirk holds the sledgehammer here with the negotiating. and And, you know, at times it can put the team in a weird spot.
0: Doesn't what you said about Kellen Mond, though, when the front office makes him a third-round pick, members of the coaching staff constantly say he can't play, doesn't that speak to a level of dysfunction that helps explain why – the Wolves decided to hit the reset button. They did a good job of hiding the dysfunction until things really got hectic last year, and I think there was a lot of infighting. One guy blaming the other guy, front office blaming the coaching staff and vice versa, but I was surprised to learn how much acrimony there was, but the Mond situation seems to be the perfect example of it on the roster where the front office clearly thought a lot of him and the coaching staff clearly didn't, and the coaching staff wasn't bashful, about saying what they thought was the right thing to say?
1: Well, having done this as long as I have, and knowing a lot of people around the league who either used to work here or I've just met them, like through the combine or whatever, that, you know, it's, hey, why don't you – we can block the quarterback if you draft me an effing offensive lineman. Okay, so that happens a lot. And it's happened – I've just heard it and known about it for many, many years calling games – so that that's it's almost flipping. It's almost just throw it away. It's elevator music. It's just people voicing frustration. I think same thing with the Kellen situation. It's like, you know, I wouldn't take it as he can't play as an absolute condemnation on the young man's career. I just think it ha- it was born of a lot of frustration when I would hear it. Um, but, you know, they also would realize that he wasn't getting ample opportunity because of his role on the team. Uh, when it comes to dysfunction within the franchise, you know, being as close to it as, as I am, um, again, I mean, whether it's, you know, whether it's Zim or Leslie Frazier or Chili or Mike Tice, you just see and hear a lot of things where I've learned over the years that you can't take 92% of them as as gridiron gospel. Yeah, a lot of it's born of exaltation, a lot of it is born of frustration, you know, but I just with Kellen there was just a level of frustration that I just didn't really understand when he wasn't really getting a chance, but then again they know a 1000 times more about it than I ever will. The majority, if not all of them, are gone. And now you have a former quarterback taken in the third round as your head coach. You have Bum's grandkid as your offensive coordinator. The work they, uh, the work um, McVay did with Jared Goff to get them to the Super Bowl in 2017. Granted, none of these guys were around, but they're they're from that tree and that tree of being able to work through conflict like that. And um, I'm just really curious to see where it goes with Kellen and where it goes with Kirk. And where JJ's cash goes with what like Tyreek and Devante are getting and stuff like that. So um, yeah, we're we're in a we're in very interesting times here with Minnesota Vikings football, but they do have the advantage of unpredictability on their side. You know, and you and I chatted about this Wednesday on my radio show in the cornfields, with you know, we haven't run a three-four base defense here in 40 years. So they're gonna have a three-four base defense with some new players. And the offense—if you look at the Rams' offense—they don't really use a fullback. We have one of the best fullbacks in the NFL here in CJ Ham, Irv Smith Jr. He's—he's he's supposed to be a really good tight end, but he's coming off a really big injury. KJ Osborne splashed last year and was dynamic, but the first year, his first year, he didn't catch a pass. So this is kind of not a make or break, but rubber meets the road year for him. Uh, Adam Thielen is definitely in the second half of his career. Um, so the offense is dead set to be really, really good. Specifically with that tackles tandem, ma'am. I mean, Darosaw missed some games last year, but you know he came he came into the season hurt. O'Neill is either the or one of the very best right tackles in the NFL. So now, when you have ta- a tackle tandem like that, that's a legitimate building block to do some damage. And um, you got an offensive-minded coach who's going to come in here with new ideas. I'm, I'm really, really excited for it.
0: You know, you talk a lot more when you're a guest on my show than when I'm a guest on your show. Have you noticed that?
1: Well, have you ever, ever – yes, I have. And have you noticed – well, because I, I don't get a word in edgewise when you're on my radio. <laughs> it
0: starts
1: by you saying, oh, who are the Timberwolves? Nobody cares about basketball. Then you're talking about your dog. Oh. I'm aware saying, of the
0: Timberwolves hey, now. I'm definitely aware of the Timberwolves after last night.
1: I know, and I'm starting my show with that today, and it's going to be negative. But then you're like, "We like it here in West Virginia, even though we don't have Wi-Fi and uh, and we don't have running water. Please stay away from us here in, in uh, West Virginia." And then I get a chance to say, "Oh, hi, Mike. How are you?" So that's just that's the that's our that's my lot in life. I accept it. I like it. And after every single Wednesday. When you're on FM 100.3 KFAN, I really enjoy the opportunity at the end to say, please come back. Please.
0: My son is a big Vikings fan, and I texted him last night, good thing you don't root for the Minnesota basketball team. His response was, seems to just be a Minnesota thing. And, uh, yeah, Timberwolves fans, welcome to the plight of a Vikings fan. Uh, Whatever can go wrong does.
1: We have a we have a really good hockey team here too, um, you know. You can watch all those games on NBC. Oh, that's right. Um, but uh, but anyway, this uh, <laughs> the hockey team's really really good. Hey, do you know that I called a couple of hockey games about a month ago, and it was like one of the. No, most I wasn't
0: aware of that. I wasn't was aware like, of that.
1: Yeah, we yeah, you yeah, haven't KFA mentioned it fifty and, times. KFAN didn't do much with it on Twitter those two nights, but um, oh, man, holy cow, did I have a good time doing that? Being racetrack raised. And they're racing, Mike Florio circumnavigating on the far turn. And in the fifth race, Mike Florio should be listed as a gelding. It's I just doing those hockey games, man, I truly felt that that God wired me to call hockey. I like calling football. I've done it 21 years or into 21 and I've called horse races for about 30. But man, that hockey vibe, like the way Doc Emmerich does it and stuff, you know, you can see that on uh, NBC. Uh, The way Doc Emmerich used to do it and everything, I really, really enjoyed myself. I could see myself calling the NHL one day. I ain't kidding you.
0: It's like a nonstop horse race. Really, it is. And it keeps going and it keeps going. Well, you know, I'll put in a word so you can be the play-by-play announcer for the NHL on NBC. Hey, you stole my bit. How can you forget that I knew that you did hockey when someone, I don't even know who it was, imposed upon me to record some touchy feely goofy message for you like I don't know how many people had to say no before they called me I felt bad because if they're calling me and asking me to do it that must mean anybody who matters said sorry I'm not doing it but I thought you were aware that I did that
1: I was Uh, but see that like played in the open it was really cool Kevin Harlan Kirk Cousins a bunch of people I've known over the years you you know, we, we've we done radio together, man, for two decades. Let's not forget, when you disrespect me, when I walked into what was then the, I think it was Rich Stadium uh, at Buffalo. I, I think that's what they called it. You know, there when I, when I was creeping, excuse me, accidentally looking at people's computer screens, I would see profootballtalk.com up on like seven of them. You know, you were more rogue then than you are now. You're more calculated now, especially with that sneaky contract stuff you do, which is unbelievable how... Like, I mean, you talk about raining on a parade in patented Florio fashion. Story comes out, somebody gets a contract, family's this all happy. The truth. I'm not raining on a parade, I'm
0: telling the truth. I'm not raining on anybody's parade. They're trying so to boost about, their parade. Think about,
1: think about Aunt Ethel in Anniston, Alabama, thinking her nephew baby just got this big deal. And then here comes that cold water from PFT with their particulars. And if you look at the fine print in the bottom, all that's glittering is not gold. Anyway, you were making a point. 20 years.
0: Yeah. You discovered the website that day in Rich Stadium, and you reached out to me, and you foolishly gave me some real estate on your radio show, and you've been paying me handsomely ever since to continue to do it, and I appreciate that very much.
1: Yeah, um, uh, there's an artist named Billy Preston, and uh, at one point they called him the Fifth Beatle. And he had a song called Nothing From Nothing, means nothing. And I think that's akin to the uh, contract you've had with uh, either Clear Channel, iHeart or Shamrock for about 20 years. And you're giving ways and your graciousness of how you've grandfathered in my eyebrows and my three chins. Uh, We are very, very, uh, we are very uh, full of gratitude for you.
0: Yeah, not much of a parade to rain on when it comes to my contractual arrangement with KFAN, but that's a topic for a different day. We will say goodbye to you, no. sir. You can go watch hockey highlights as you get ready no. for your nine to noon show, Cornfields Time. And when we return, okay. Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy, you're the opening act for Tony Dungy. Hey, guess what? There was what? no with way Tony you were Dungy? going after.
1: Hey, I'm doing I'm doing an event in Minnesota with Tony tomorrow called A Rise with the Guys. It's at uh, Grace Church. Tony is the keynote speaker. Ben Roethlisberger speaks after him. And the old announcer speaks right before them. Matthew 5.13. Mike Florio is the salt of the earth.
0: Well, we will not have Ben Roethlisberger following Tony Dungy today, but we do have Tony Dungy following Paul Allen. And we will have Tony Dungy right after this. Paul, thank you. Have a great day. The hair looks awesome as always. I don't know where you keep that wig at night, but it's, it's in... Great shape first thing in the morning. We'll be Love right you. back with Tony Dunger. See ya. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker Oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties. Whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber, Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker fruit fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store all right friday edition of pft live flying solo but that means loading up the program with some really great guests paul allen is the exception tony dungy is not and as paul allen mentioned speaking an event tomorrow in minneapolis he'll be joined by coach dungy coach dungy follows him today coach dungy follows him tomorrow coach dungy joins us now good morning coach how are you
2: Hey, Mike, long time, no talk, no see. Great to be with you.
0: So tell me a little bit more about the event that's going to take you back to Minneapolis, your old stopping grounds from your time, both with the Golden Gophers and with the Vikings from 92 through 95.
2: Yes, it's actually uh, an annual event that we've done for uh, the last 10 years. It started out as a fundraiser for the chaplain of the Vikings, Tom Lanfear, but we've now kind of morphed it into a fundraiser on Friday night, dinner, and then an outreach on Saturday. We pick a notable sports figure and talk about why they've been uncommon. and uh, We give them the uncommon award and then uh, have an outreach. So we've had some really neat people. Ben Roethlisberger is our award winner this year, ending up a, a career that's very uncommon in this day and age, playing his whole career for the same team. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is true. I mean, when you think about it, especially at the quarterback position, the way it's gone the past 10 or 15 years, it's becoming almost a presumption that a great quarterback is going to put that final punctuation mark on his career with some other team or maybe with two other teams as it's currently going. Let me start there, though. I'm going to go out of order from what I had planned to do because one thing that struck me about Ben Roethlisberger's final game in Pittsburgh, it was also the last time Baker Mayfield wore a Browns uniform and he got to watch what happened and how Ben Roethlisberger was received and I remember thinking you know Baker realizes right now that's never going to happen for him in Cleveland little did we know at the time that it was going to fall apart the way that it did I know your son Justin has been a huge Baker Mayfield fan from day one what advice would you have for Baker Mayfield as he embarks on this uncertainty as to what's going to happen next for his career all we know at this point is it's not going to happen in Cleveland
2: I would tell Baker the same thing that Chuck Knoll, my first boss in Pittsburgh, told me when I first got into coaching in 1981. He said, you're going to have a lot of decisions, career decisions you can make. Don't make your decisions based on money or job description. Make your decision based on who you're going to work with, who you're going to work around, and what you're going to learn. And I think that's what Baker needs to do. Go someplace where you're going to be with some good people, a good group. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry if you're going to be a starter or not. All of that will take care of itself. Get in a good place for you where you can learn and and be one of the, the forces that helps that team grow.
0: That's an excellent point. And he seems to be willing to kind of go along with however it plays out. There's only so much he can control at this point. But excellent advice, especially because one thing we learn and one thing we're reminded of every year at this time, you go back and look at the quarterbacks who were drafted in round one, there are a lot of guys that fail. And it's not necessarily because of them that they fail. It's because of where they land, what they have around them, what their coaching situation is. No one would succeed in that setting. So it's not the player who fails. It's the overall circumstance that fails.
2: Yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger is is a great example of that. Okay, He comes out in the same year as Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers, and he's the third guy picked. But he goes to a stable situation with a good team around him, wins a couple of Super Bowls, plays there 15 years, and, and has a tremendous career. So you could say, oh, I wasn't the first pick. I wasn't the second pick. Well, it worked out pretty well for him.
0: Yeah, went 15-1 and one that rookie season after he replaced Tommy Maddox in September, and then they win the Super Bowl in only his second year. And you're right, finishes with two and on his way to the Hall of Fame. Six days from the draft. I'm curious. I want to take you back to your coaching career, what would you be doing this day, six days before round one? What is it? What is it that's going? Cause people you know, we just assume they're in meetings, 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 but, but give me an idea of what you would be doing six days before it's time to start making the picks.
2: You, you basically put all your scenarios together. You've ranked your guys, you, you've talked to all your, your meetings and you have everything in place. Now you start, Playing the what if games. And I, I'll tell you, I was with two guys who were just fantastic with that Rich McKay and um, Bill Polian. Rich would, we'd go to breakfast, we'd go out, we'd get away from the building, and we'd just talk, what if this happened? What if that happens? What if th- these two guys are here? What if someone calls? My first draft in, in 1996, I'll never forget it. We're, we're having a breakfast, it's kind of this time of day, early in the morning. And Rich McKay said, we've got to be prepared because Bobby Beathard. Uh, is going to call he's going to call at some point he's going to offer us next year's number one draft choice for a pick that we've got we've got to decide if if we're going to use it or not and I'm just kind of new to this I'm kind of playing along with what if what if and we go through different things this guy's there we're, we're not going to answer his call this guy's there we'll think about it this guy's there we'll ask for something else well sure enough a week later the draft we, we pick in the first round. We're getting ready to pick in the second round. The phone rings. It's Bobby Beth. I'm going to give you next year's number one. Uh, what do we do? We had talked about it. We made the decision. We traded it. The following year, 97, we end up being able to draft Warwick Dunn with that, that pick. So uh, being prepared for things like that is what you're doing. Bill Poland used to love to uh, walk on the treadmill. And then he talked through different scenarios with me. I remember 2006 draft where getting and James had been a free agent uh, and just signed with Arizona. We needed a running back. So, Bill, we looked at all the running backs, and Bill's on the treadmill. Well, what if Lawrence Maroney, Maurice Jones, Drew, and Joseph Adai are all there? Who are we taking? And it, it didn't matter what I said. He was going to pick a hole in that and talk about the other guy. But we just talked through that, and then, sure enough, you know, we, we would have those decisions. But basically, you walk through them. That, that's what good general managers do.
0: One of the decisions made by the NFL a few weeks ago in a league meetings that didn't have a lot of new rule changes, and I think Rich McKay, the guy you mentioned earlier, now the chair of the competition committee, likes it that way. That means everything's working well if there aren't a lot of rule changes that need to be made. But the one big one was the tweak to overtime for the postseason. I can't remember where you came down on that possibility of guaranteeing a possession for each team. What do you think about what's going to be in place now for the playoffs moving forward?
2: Well, first of all, I don't like different rules for the playoffs in the regular season. If it's good and and we need it, then it should be done all the time. Um, I'm really more of the sudden death person anyway. I think defensively you've got to feel like you can stop people and go out there and, and win the game defensively. I understand where people are. I understand that the Buffalo-Kansas City game, everyone wanted to see Josh Allen get the ball again. But what happens when they get the ball and they take it down and score a touchdown? Okay, now Kansas City, they still have the same advantage. They won the toss. They get the score on the next uh, possession. So I don't know that you can ever have it perfect. Um, and and I, I just think sometimes you got to play defense and stop them, just like Cincinnati did. Go out there, get the ball back, take it away, and uh, don't worry about it.
0: I do like the fact that the Bills would have had the opportunity to choose to go for two and put all the eggs in one basket and avoid sudden death. Now, if you don't get the two-point conversion, the game's over right there, but I think that's going to be some of the thought process. And I also think that some of these teams, Coach, may be thinking about kicking off more to start overtime. Uh, and because well, then me, you know exactly what you need the first time you get the ball. And if you get a stop, all you need is a field goal.
2: Yes, uh, that to me is a big advantage. To, and people maybe haven't thought that out. But uh, if you're guaranteed a possession, I think I do want the ball second. Because now I get to go for it on fourth down if I need to. Uh, I know if I stopped you, or I only need a field goal. Uh, It takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. It gives me some advantages. Now, we both score, and you get the ball first. Again, I've still got to stop you. But I I think just me thinking about it, 99% of the time, I would kick off.
0: And another thing that could happen, and we wrote about this a few weeks ago, and it actually traces back to a rare lapse by Bill Belichick. When you go out there and you want the wind, because I think that's a factor now too, you want the wind if you can get the wind – Back in 2008 or about against the Jets, the Patriots accidentally said we want to kick instead of saying we want to pick which end to defend. to defend. So the Jets got the ball, and they got to pick which end to defend, and they won the game. So teams are thinking about doing that, and that's a real factor now, too. Don't choose to kick. Choose which end to defend because you right. want the wind, and they take the ball. You shut them down. You get a field goal, and you walk away as the winner.
2: Yeah. No, I think there will be a lot of those scenarios play out, and nobody's ever going to be perfectly happy. Um, that's, that's the one thing about overtime. There's no way to make it absolutely fair. The coin toss still is going to determine a lot of things. Eventually it comes down. At, at some point you've got to stop them, and, and maybe that's what's gone. That's what's missing from the game uh, today, people not thinking about that.
0: Well, and part of the problem is, especially in the postseason, Number one, the rule changes in recent years have been so skewed toward the offense, and by the time you get to the final eight teams, you got some pretty good offenses. You got some pretty good quarterbacks, so it's harder to get that stop, and it does seem to come down to who wins that coin toss because both offenses are good enough to drive the length of the field and get a touchdown, and I feel like whoever would have gotten the ball first in that Bills Chief playoff game was going to score a touchdown the way they were scoring points at the end of the game. So they reacted to that, and I think it was overdue. I, I'm fine with it just for the postseason for the reason I just explained. I also think in the regular season there's a point where you got to get the game over with. In fact, I'd be yeah. fine with going back to sudden death in the regular season if yeah. they wanted to. Let's get the game over with and let's move on.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. You're, you're coaching a game. You're playing a late uh, West Coast game. You don't want that thing going on and on and on, and you've got to fly back and get ready to play the next week.
0: You made a suggestion in a post that we – Uh, added to pft on super bowl sunday an open letter to the nfl about delaying the hiring process until after the super bowl i think it's a great idea i think the time has come there are many of reasons for it but i just feel like for whatever reason the broader power structure doesn't want to go there do you think there's any chance that that's going to take root it should but what do we need to do to make it happen
2: I don't think it will because people are too impatient and people are so worried about other teams getting the jump on them. Um, it, it really makes sense to, to wait for a number of reasons. Taking your time is going to usually lead to better decisions. Uh, waiting until after everybody is through will eliminate the Josh McDaniels situation where you're trying to hurry and get something done and then the parties change their mind. It'll also Uh, eliminate the Eric bien situation where I do five interviews in in a day and a half or two days and then uh, people pick that apart. Well, he wasn't prepared. He wasn't as thorough as as this person who did, had two weeks to prepare for one interview. Um, And and I think it goes better. I go back to my own experience. Uh, We were in the playoffs three times in Minnesota and I did some interviews, didn't get the jobs. The one time we didn't make the playoffs, I had a three, probably a six-week process with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had an interview on the West Coast at the East-West game. I had another interview a week later at the Senior Bowl. I had another interview a week after that uh, in Tampa. And we got to know each other very well. And I think the Bucs knew who they were getting by the time that process ended. There's no way you can do that if you're trying to do that all between playoff appearances and in a in – a, a week-long session where you're interviewing five, six, eight people in, in two or three days.
0: And it really does distract you from what your primary focus should be in your current job, doing everything you can to get ready to win the next game. And I saw one of the candidates this year say it's not a distraction. Of course it's a distraction because every minute you spend preparing and submitting to that interview is a minute you could spend watching film, strategizing, doing something to try to help your team win the next
2: game. I I talked to Leslie Frazier quite a bit during the process, and they were getting ready to play. He's the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. They're getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs, so they've got a lot on the table trying to stop the Chiefs. And now all of a sudden he gets a call from the New York Giants. We've got to talk to you. We've got to interview you tomorrow. Uh, he gets a call from the Chicago Bears. Hey, our only window is this Friday. So he is he is, going back and forth between Chicago and New York Giants and watching tape of the, the Chiefs and practicing. I thought to myself, if I was a Buffalo Bills fan, I would be appalled right now. <laughs> and, and, you know, I would be. My My defensive coordinator – who I'm counting on to get us to the Super Bowl, and he's got all this going on and it's not his fault because he's saying, if I don't take these interviews, what do I do? I'm not going to get another chance. Um, And it's just, it's totally unfair and and it hurts the, the teams and the coaches that are in the playoffs.
0: Coach Frazier, former head coach of the Viking, one of the candidates in New York, the job went to his colleague in Buffalo, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator with the bills. Coach Frazier had some intriguing comments last week in an item that was produced and prepared and presented by NBC News. You were part of that. Hugh Jackson was as well. Leslie Frazier's comment really struck me, though, as significant. He said that nothing is going to change when it comes to improved hiring practices of blackhead coaches until there's a massive change of heart by the owners. And I think he's absolutely right, but I have absolutely no idea as to how that is ever going to happen. Given the structure of the league, you're talking about very rich, very powerful people who are very accustomed to getting what they want and they don't want anyone telling them to do anything other than they want to do. How does that massive change of heart that Leslie Frazier suggested occur, Coach?
2: I I think it happens when people realize that diversity and taking your time and looking for and searching for candidates helps you win. Uh, and everybody tells me whenever you bring this subject up, well, everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to win. The best people are always going to get hired, and that is true. Everybody is trying to win, but some people don't know how to win, uh, and they don't know what it takes. I go back to 1946, and the NFL is all white at that time, players, coaches, everything. Paul Brown comes in to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The Browns join the NFL, and he says, wait a minute, aren't we trying to win here? said, you know, I had better players at Maslin High School and I had better players at Ohio State. I'm going to sign some of those guys if we're trying to win. And all of a sudden he has Marion Motley and Bill Willis and these black players who played for him in in college and in, in the service ball. And they win five championships. Well, everybody was trying to win before, but they didn't maybe necessarily know and have all the resources. So I think that's what it's going to have to take that, These owners are going to have to see, you know, it's not necessarily just doing the right thing for the right reasons. It's going to help me.
0: I have a, a, a challenge for you as it relates to one of the player issues currently in the NFL popped up this week. You're the head coach of the 49ers right now. Somehow your relationship with Debo Samuel has gotten to the point where he's asked to be traded. You can't trade Debo Samuel. He's clearly one of the best players on the team. How do you get him to rescind that request and change his mind? Now, look, you may have most likely never gotten the relationship to the point where he has to be traded, but assume you find yourself in this mess where he wants out. What do you do to try to talk him out of it and stay
2: with the 49ers? You, you do. You just sit down and, and you talk, hey, what's on your mind? What's the problem? Let's see if we can get this fixed. And this is nothing new, Mike. My, my rookie year, 1977, uh, and you'll remember it well, um, Mel Blunt, who was the, was the defensive player of the year, uh, the year before, I'll never play for the Steelers again. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not playing. <laughs> Coach, no. Uh, just kind of let it ride. Sit down. What, what's your problem? The problem was money. And so they got that squared away and Mel played seven or eight more years. But that happens a lot. Something will happen. Something will trigger. And usually you can fix it with just a little communication. So that's what I'd recommend. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, sit down with Debo. What's going on? Tell us what the issue is.
0: It really is different now, though, between free agency and this dynamic we've seen where guys want out and they get what they want. They want a specific team to play for and they get what they want. And I think other players see that and they say, I want that too. Devontae Adams wanted to play for the Raiders. He got to play for the Raiders. Tyreek Hill wanted to play for the Dolphins. He got to play for the Dolphins. That's going to affect other guys. And some of these teams that may want to take an older school approach, they're stuck because Players have tangible examples they can point to and say, that guy got what he wanted. That guy got what he wanted. I want what I want, too.
2: No, that, that's true. But that, that's always been there. And as a head coach, as an organization, you have to say, is putting our foot down and saying, hey, it's not going to happen, uh, is that beneficial to us? Or do we take the the revenue that we can get uh, for that player and, and use it as that what's going to be better for us but there will be instances where teams say i'm sorry that that's just not going to happen
0: well that may be what the 49ers are going to do with Debo samuel we shall see coach safe travels this weekend thanks so much for some of your time all the best to you and the family look forward to talking to you again soon
2: all right thank you mike always great to be with you
0: there he is hall of fame head coach tony dungy when we return we will do a quick week in review on this friday edition of pft live we'll be right back All right, as we wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live, let me say this first before we get to the Brian Flores developments. We have some great mailbag questions. I apologize for having gotten to them. We are going to push them all to PFT PM because I want to talk about what happened on Thursday afternoon in the Flores case. The NFL has yet to file its official response to the amended complaint that was submitted a couple of weeks ago by Flores, Ray Horton, and Steve Wilkes with more teams added with now... The total list is the Texans, the Broncos, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Titans, along with the NFL at large. What the NFL plans to do, and this came up in a document that was put together by the parties to help the judge understand how the scheduling of the case is going to go, et cetera, et cetera. It came up in there over and over again that the NFL intends to file a motion to compel arbitration of the entire controversy. And you've heard us talk about mandatory arbitration in NFL contracts a time or two. The Flores lawyers knew this was coming. Brian Flores has been involved recently in events aimed at expanding prohibitions under federal law to mandatory arbitration. There's already a law that prohibits it for cases involving sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, etc. at work. Flores, part of an effort to have race discrimination cases included within that, because here's how it goes. And I lived in this world for 18 years. I was on both sides of it. What happens is when a large company gets sued in court, job number one is try to figure out how to get out of court. Big company does not want six average people. And yes, for civil cases, it's typically six on a jury, not 12. The big company doesn't want six average people holding the company accountable for how it treats individual employees because those six individuals are far more likely to identify With the person who claims that his or her rights were violated at work. So, employers have found a way to try to finagle arbitration clauses into handbooks, contracts, policies, anywhere, so that if an employee has a lawsuit that is ever being contemplated, that claim is more properly brought in arbitration. That's what exactly the NFL has baked into. Individual contracts, constitution and bylaws. John Gruden's currently going through it with his lawsuit against the NFL. And now Flores, Horton and Wilkes will be going through it. Here's what you got to keep in mind here. Most employers, when they try to use private arbitration to avoid giving an individual employee his or her day in court, there's a truly independent arbitration process. It's still, it's still set up for the employer to get a better outcome than they would in court because, again, you're not facing a jury of six average people who may get confused by the law and just decide to robin hood it and take from the rich and give to the poor, relatively speaking. That happens. But in this specific context with the NFL, it's not just referring the matter to the American Arbitration Association for a process that results in the two sides figuring out who the best arbitrator would be. This is a system where the NFL says, we'll handle this. The commissioner or whoever the commissioner designates will be the one to decide whether or not the employee's rights were violated in some way. That creates what I have called a secret rigged kangaroo court. Secret because it gets taken out of the court system. The media is not able to monitor it the testimony doesn't happen in an open setting where owners may be grilled and forced to admit to things they don't want to admit. It all happens behind closed doors. It's rigged because it's the commissioner or his designee. The person who is ultimately paid by all teams, hired by all teams, kept or not kept by all teams, is making these decisions. How is that not rigged in favor of the NFL and its teams. And it is a kangaroo court because it's not a real court. The rules of evidence don't apply. The rules of discovery don't apply. There may be information that is highly pertinent to whether or not discrimination occurred, to what was actually going on. It's going to be easier to get that in court than it's going to be to get it from a process that's presided over by the commissioner. So secret rigged kangaroo court is what the NFL is trying to push the Flores case into. We'll be following it very carefully and hoping that others understand what the NFL is trying to do here. That's it for today's PFT Live. See you at 5 p.m. for PFT PM.
1: Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards.